I want to do something a little different. Is that okay? I'd like everybody to stand up with me, if you would. As you know, in a very large part of the world, there are Christians that are being beheaded today. And you have the joy and the privilege to live in a country that allows you the freedom of worship. And this morning, I want to take just a few moments. And uh, I want us to pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the world. But I don't want you to pray in English or your native language. I want you to pray in tongues. Why? Because we don't know what to pray. I mean, I don't know how to pray when it comes to that. I really don't. I want them to survive. I want them to, to be able to live. I don't. I looked at all those children this morning. They came up here. And there are children just like that, dying for Jesus. Making a confession of faith, a profession of faith throughout the world. Not just Afghanistan, which is in the news right now, but this is happening all over the world, has happened, and is continuing to happen every day. So I want us to pray in tongues for just a minute. We don't take for a long time. But you know, praying in the Spirit is a perfect prayer. And even though we don't know what to pray for these people, the Holy Spirit knows. How many of you agree with that? And also I want you to, as we pray, to ask God to open your heart this morning. I know that the message that I have this morning is from the God because Joy preached it, Sister Angela preached it, Mike preached it, and now I have to conclude it. I told my wife before I came up here, I said, really and truly, all I really need to say is rise for the benediction because the word has gone forth today. But I want us to take just a moment. Would you do that with me? Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the world today. Strengthen them, Lord, with the power of your might. God, bring a peace to their heart that surpasses all understanding through this persecution that they're in. And God, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, for it. In the precious name of Jesus, we declare it done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stay standing and we'll do our profession of faith this morning. Would you say it with me? The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hears to learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. As I said, everybody is kind of talking about the same thing. It's kind of let me know, because I didn't really 
I, a lot of times when you prepare messages and you've got three or four of them in your head, you say, Lord, what do you want me to say? It's not what I say, but what you want to say through me. And um, during my many years of ministry, I have seen many, many people going through very difficult storms in their life. These people going through these storms have asked me questions, and maybe these questions, maybe you've even said, I think Sister Angela even mentioned one of them this morning that she said, because a lot of times we get discouraged and we go through what they call the dry places, and we get to that point to where we say, where is God in all of this? Does God even know where I am? Why doesn't the Lord hear me? Or... Why is he doing this to me? Ever got in a time of weakness and said one of those things, wondering what's going on in our lives and so forth? These things are, they sound familiar to me. I know that there have been times in my life that I've gone through them, and I, I call them going through the dry spells, and there's been those times I said, Lord, why have you quit speaking to me? I went to my father-in-law one time. He was a great man of God, great preacher. And I said, Bud was what we called him. I said, I said, Poppy, is what you, his name he went by Bud, but everybody called him Poppy. I said, Poppy, I'm not hearing from the Lord like I used to. I said, what's, what's wrong? What's, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why can't I hear? And he told me this thing. He says, what was the last thing he told you to do? I said, I don't know. I really didn't know. What's the last thing that you, he told you to do? And I said, I don't know, Poppy. I really don't know. And he says, get before God and ask God to reveal to you the last thing he told you to do that you didn't do. And I said, okay. So I got before the Lord and I started praying. And I prayed and I prayed. I prayed some more. I prayed some more and it didn't come easy. But finally... The Lord reminded me of something that I, he wanted me to do that I didn't do. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll do that. So I went and did what the Lord told me to do. And you know something that happened? He began to speak to me again. Because the thing about it is, when God speaks, something is required of us when God speaks to us. Anybody know what that is? We have to hear, okay? Hear. And if God says something, he sa if He speaks, then we have to hear. And if we don't hear, then we don't do it, right? The thing about it is we do hear, except we don't hear the way we're supposed to hear because when you truly hear, you do what you've heard or what's been told of you to do. If you tell someone to stand up, they can hear you, but if they don't stand up, they haven't done what you actually asked them to do. You truly did not hear because hearing actually means something has to come after the hearing. Okay? And so this is something that uh, uh, the Lord, but the Lord just shared with me. I wanted to share that with you. But it says all of these words that we just talked about, all of this discouragement, all of these words that come when we go through these dry places, all of these words come from desperation. 
It's a desperate move that we make. We, we, we get desperate with our words. We get desperate in, in asking and wanting God. But life is hard. And sometimes it seems that there is one storm after another. Whether it be an illness, a temptation, a toxic person in our life, or a hundred other things, life is full of storms. The thing that we have to remember when going through these storms is we have to remember God. Just simply God. When we feel like we have been thrown one thing after another and we can't take it anymore, we must remember that God will not put us through anything that will not make us stronger in the end. Through every trial in your life, when you come out of that trial, you look back at what? Your victory. You don't look at, you're not looking ahead at what lies before you because you made it. God was with you and you look back at your victory. So, this has already been said this morning, but God has a plan for you in his life, right? He has a plan. But the title of my message today, if that, oh good, Okay. The title of my message today is, Where is God? Where is God during your storm? Is He not listening to you? Is He not guiding you? Is He not directing you? Is He not there with you? Where is God in your storm? Okay? Now, Jeremiah 29 11, a very uh, uh, popular scripture. We all know it. Matter of fact, I have a little book that I keep notes and stuff in. That's what it has on the front of it. And it's what's on, actually, it's what's on my ring, my wedding band. Okay, it's Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has a plan. He has basically the plan for mankind as a whole. Okay, he has a plan for mankind, but he also has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. Many people live for God for years, never knowing what their purpose is in the plan that God has for you. I'm not preaching that message today, but if you don't know what your purpose is, you need to get before God and simply ask him, Lord, what is my purpose? We all have a general purpose, and that is to be Ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to make disciples. And so therefore, there are certain things that, we're, that we know that we're to do as far as the plan of God. But each one of us has a purpose, and we need to find out what that purpose is. When we got saved, we entered into a new covenant with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. This new covenant brought a plan into our lives that will prosper you, not harm you, will give you hope. And will give you a future. That's what, that's what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. It will give you, it will prosper you, not harm you, will give you hope, and will give you a future, which is forever. The plan through life as a Christian is not by chance. We don't live our daily lives by chance. Our daily lives are by purpose and by direction of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Okay? It is the plan of God. The Holy Spirit guides us in God's plan through our, through our obedience to what? The Word. 
as we are obedient to the Word, obedient to the Word of God, okay, obedient to the Holy Spirit that lives within, as we listen to the Word of God through the Holy Spirit, that, then that's how God sets in motion the plan of life. Now, this plan is not without storms. But with every storm, we will grow in our fellowship with Christ if, and I have to put the if, and how many of you know if is a big thing to me? Okay. I'm not going to preach if again, but if to me is one of the biggest words in the, in the Bible. If, without the storms, we will grow in our fellowship with Jesus if we stand firm in our plan that he has put before us. Now, Jesus had a mission, didn't he? Do you think Jesus had a mission? He had a mission on earth, right? And this page will not turn. Did he complete his mission? How many believe that Jesus finished his mission? Did he, he finished it in victory, but did he have any difficulties along the way? Jesus came to show us in his life what it was like to follow the plan that God had for him. And God has a plan for us. And God's plan in us is what God wants us to walk in. Right? It doesn't mean that our plan will not come without some difficulty. Okay? But realizing that every difficulty that we go through makes us stronger. Okay? Now, we find one specific mission that um, Jesus did. I'm not going to go into everything that he did, but God had a plan for him. And so in in Mark 4, 35, it says, now this is when Jesus got in the boat. He said, let's go to the other side, right? He said, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, everybody pretty much knows what happened when he got in the boat and they went to the other side. They ran into the storm, right? But the thing about it is, What did Jesus say? Let us go into the storm. No. He had a mission. What was his mission? Simple. What was his mission? To get to the other side. He only wanted to get from where he was to another place to be able to minister. A very simple task that needed needed to take place. Nothing big about it. Just how many times did the how many times did the disciples when they were fishermen got in the boat, went out in the boat, went to the other side, visited the other side, went over, maybe got food, came back, went back across, it came back. Many times they did. But Jesus had a mission. Well, the storm arose. We see the storm. Then fear of the storm arose in the disciples. Peace and rest was in the storm, which was Jesus. He was very quietly. He wasn't down in the in the bowels of the ship. They didn't have bowels of the ship in those days. It was a fishing boat, okay? Everything was up on the top, whatever. He was just resting in the back, kind of like a baby rocking to sleep. You know, the storm rushed him. He just relaxing in it, right? Then came peace in the storm. The mission was accomplished by what? What calmed the storm? The word out of the mouth of Jesus. It's the word that gave the victory over the storm Not anything that the disciples said with all of their fears as going through the storm, but it was the Word that that calmed everything down. Jesus was in the plan of God 
and he accomplished what he came to do. Just as Jesus had a plan and purpose, we have a plan and a purpose. Just as we have to walk in the plan that God has prepared for us, no matter what gets in the way. So, easy to say, right? Walk in the plan of God. Well, how do we walk in God's plan for our lives? How do we walk in the plan? Jesus, just as Jesus followed the plan and was prepared for him, we must learn, learn, that means gain knowledge, okay, knowledge of the plan that God has laid out for us. Now, we look at the children of Israel. God had a plan for the children of Israel to leave the bondage land in Egypt and go to the promised land that he had prepared for them, but there were a few obstacles in the way. Did that stop the plan? Realize, nothing, if we're walking where God wants us to go and the plan that God has for us, there may be obstacles along the way, but as long as we follow God, follow after Him, all things work together. Now, they had major obstacles with Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. Then they had to get to the Red Sea. Had that in front of them. God opened the Red Sea. They walked through on dry ground, right? Then the giants were in the land, scared them to death. And what happened? Their fear became stronger than the Word of God. Their fear became stronger than the Word of God. Why? Because when they heard it, here was all the report coming back, all those great things were over there, the milk and honey and the great grapes and all the things of the land. But... They got big guys over there. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And all of a sudden, everything that God had planned for them and the purpose that he had planned for them stopped when they feared what lied ahead and forgot what God said when he said, I have given you. He didn't say, I'm going to give it to you. He said, I have given you the land. And what happened to them? They wandered in the wilderness. How many people of how many of us today are walked in that wilderness because we feared and we didn't hold on to the word of God and what the word of God has told us to do. Okay? So by choice, by choice, anybody know that we are given a free will? A free will means we have the right to choose which way we will go. Do we all know that? Because there's some people that teach that your will, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, your will has been laid out for you and there's nothing you can do about it. And if you're going to make it, you're going to make it. And if you're not, you're going to not. That means that you don't have a will in the, in, in the process. Jesus had a will. We hear it in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Jesus had a will. But his main will was to follow, his, follow the Father, right? So, by choice, they chose not to believe God and did not receive the promises. How many times do we not receive the promises because we don't, we choose to not accept them and choose another way? All right? So, we must hear the Word of God and obey His words. In Exodus 13, 21 through 22, it says, The Lord came, and the Lord went before them by day in the pillar of cloud, and led the way, and at night in the pillar of the fire to give them light, 
don't want to get into the message of this, but a lot of people don't understand the pillar and the, and the cloud. These are symbolic of the Holy Spirit, the covering that was over them, and that the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God led them through the wilderness. And he said, and, do, and, and he did not take away the pillar of the cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. If something is before you, that means it's out there in front. He was showing them which way to walk, which way to go, because he got out in front of them to lead them where they were, right? And he led them by the cloud by day, which is symbolic of the Spirit of God. But later on, when they created the, when they built the Ark of the Covenant, it was built, and this was the symbolic part or where the presence of the Lord was. That's where he abided. Was when they put the tabernacle up, they put it in. The presence of the Lord was in. In Numbers we see, as so when they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of three days, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them. Now the ark of the covenant is the presence of the Lord. So that tells us that the presence of the Lord goes before us where we are and only requires us to do one thing, follow. Requires us to follow, Okay. So, he said, for three days' journey to search out a resting place for them. Now, finding a resting place. And the cloud of the Lord was above them by day, and they went out from the camp. And this is what's important. So it was, whenever the ark set out, in other words, the priests took the ark, they set out to start the plane, and behind them were the warring, the tribes that were... Certain tribes wore, and then in the middle was a was the tabernacle and all the priests, the Levite, and then on the back was a whole bunch of fighters to be able to fight for anybody who kind of come up behind them. But what went before them was the covenant of the Lord, and this is what Moses said when the, every time it stepped out, they took. He said this: "Rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee." Before you. That's a very powerful statement that Moses said. When it went forth, he said, it's not just a symbol. It's the presence of God and everything that comes in front of it will be scattered. The enemies will be scattered before it and we will be able to walk peacefully behind it. So we know that the presence of the Lord was with the children of Israel when they came out to do in this leading process that they did. But then something goes on in the Scripture says this. This is, this is where sometimes, even if we know the Lord's out there, I think we forget the part that Moses said after that. It says, and when it rested, they came to rest. <laughs> Moses said, return, O Lord, to thy many thousands of Israel. He called that presence of God. From before them to come back and be with them and strengthen them and be with them to protect them right there where they were. From these prayers we understand that Moses understood following God as they moved, but also understood that when they stopped moving, the presence of the Lord needed to return going from going before them to resting over them. When you're traveling, when you're going through this, when you're going into the storm, there'll be a time that you're going to have to rest. 
And that's when the Holy Spirit out here comes back here and rests with you. That's where the rest and the peace of God comes as that Spirit comes back to work for us. Now, we know then that the Lord goes before us. Deuteronomy 1, 29 through 33. I'm going to break it down as we go here, all right? 1, 29 through 33. Then I said said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. When we go in our walk in life, there cannot be any fear. Fear has to disappear first, okay? Because he said, don't be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God goes before you. God has already took on your battle before you even get there. He knew you were going to have the battle before you even had the battle. He knew long before you knew. Then he goes on and it says, he'll fight for us. It says, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Everything he's ever done, he'll fight for you. Now, the next place, the next part of the scripture tells us something that a lot of us have really gone through. And even to the point that somebody came up with a, I guess you'd call it a poem or saying, called the footprints in the sand. Anybody ever, one of you know what I'm talking about? Footprints in the sand. And this scripture talks about, I guess you call it the footprints in the sand, not necessarily foot, but this concept. Because he carries us when the battle gets so heavy, we can't walk through it. And in the wilderness, how many have been in the wilderness? Where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. I not only led you, I not only fought for you, when you couldn't go in the wilderness, I carried you. When you get in your storm of life and you say, I cannot do it anymore, God will carry you through that storm in your life. It doesn't matter what it is. He'll carry you through that storm. If you go on, it says, He searches out a way for us. Anybody know what a scout is? A scout's one that goes out, back in the old days, a scout would go out to make sure there wasn't any uh, engines. Indians for you people from other parts. But engines for us guys here. But anyway, to make... Nobody got that one anyway. Uh, it's, but they sent a scout out to be able to scout which way to go. Well, see, God is out there picking the place and the way for you to go. He's searching out the best place for you and the way for you to get there, right? So it says, he's, the Scripture says, who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents. Why do you put a tent out? To rest. He searched out a place for you to rest. Through the storm, when it gets so unbearable, God always gives us that He searches out a place to give us that chance to rest. To rest in that storm. To live in that rest in Him. And that's where we have to 
you know, search to get to that thing, right? And then it says, and he shows us the way to go. So it says he pitched the tents, and then he says, to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and by the cloud of day. The Holy Spirit, symbolically here, was there to search out the place for them to go, the best way to go, and to give them rest and let them know this is the way you should go. And that's where we have to listen to the Holy Spirit and know which way it is to go. Now, Jesus shows us how to follow. Because following is what it's all about. Okay? You have to be able to be led. You have to follow. And if you look in Matthew 4, 1, and it says, this was before Jesus went to the... uh, uh, wilderness to be tempted it says then jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted that's not a popular verse when you look at it you're saying well if we does jesus lead us into temptations and we can't be tempted by god but satan takes charge he's the one that's there right but realize that jesus was led by the spirit what if jesus hadn't followed If he hadn't followed, the Spirit would have gone into the wilderness and he would have went his own way, right? We don't know what the outcomes will be, but I can tell you this, following is is a process. He even showed us what following means as far as we're concerned. In Matthew 4, 18 through 22, when he was calling his disciples, he said, And he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, two brothers, Simon and Peter, and Andrew, and Andrew, his brother, were casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. All right, so here's some fishermen, guys. Now, here's Jesus. He's up on the shore. Sees these guys out there fishing. Hey! Follow me! I will make you fishers of men. I can just see them sitting in the boat out there. What in the world is he talking about? Why do I want to follow him? But he said, follow. What did they do? They immediately left their nets and followed him, not knowing where he was going. Following the Lord, you may not know what lies ahead, but that's where the trust comes in, to trust God through the storm and in the storm that you will get out. How many of you have been through a storm in your life? I, I, I just like to know. Have you, I think we got pretty much everybody's been through a storm in your life. How many was victorious over that storm? Okay. So we're victorious over the storm. And like I said, now we look back at the storm and we see that we made it, right? And it makes us stronger, right? The thing about it is, I've said this for many, many years in the storm. In the storms of life that I've gone through. I've been asked, how are we going to make it? There was a time in my life where I carried a penny in my pocket to keep from being broke. I got through that storm. God blessed me. And you say, well, that had to be tough. Yeah, it was. 
But the thing about it, I had peace in it. That's the difference. Peace in the storm. So Jesus went a little bit further and he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them, follow me. And immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. Jesus has called us to follow him. Following him, doing what he asked us to do, not being turned to the left, turned to the right, but to do what he's asked us to do. But we have help in the time of the storm. Before Jesus died, he promised that he would send us the Holy Spirit to teach us. Matthew 4, And I will pray the Father that he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, But you know him, for he dwells with us. Okay, we know he's here. And will be in you. Okay? Dwelling here, but also being in you. John 14 said, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. All things. To be taught, we have to first listen. You cannot be taught without a teacher. We have the teacher of the Holy Spirit, but God has also given us teachers to teach. I was asked one time in ministry if I had to choose between preaching and teaching, which one would I do? I would teach any day over preaching. Because teaching is what changes people's lives. Many times in a sermon, we move people for a moment. But the Word of God in teaching endures the storms of life. And it's important. And I'll put a plug in. You should be in Sunday school to learn. The day... You stop learning is the day you die. We have to learn to let the Holy Spirit teach us. The Holy Spirit guides us. Romans eight fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. There's another side of that. You can read this a little bit differently. For as many that are not led by the Spirit of God are not the sons of God. So God put a responsibility on each and other. We have a responsibility, folks. The world wants to tell us that we don't have any responsibility. You know, but we do. We have a responsibility to follow what the Lord says to do, to be led by the Spirit, which means we must become followers of the Spirit. John 16, 13, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, 
For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. The Word of God has had a theme from the very beginning of time. Pastor, good luck. Talked about the light. I don't want to get started there because it'll go. But the light. But he also talked about the first thing that happened, the first thing that showed up was the Spirit. Because the Spirit's what does what the Word of God says to do, what God said. The Father spoke, the Spirit did it. Jesus spoke, the Spirit did it, right? And the Spirit still does the things today, right? So, it's been from the very beginning, from the very beginning of time, all God ever wanted us to do was follow Him. Follow what He said. Follow the ways that He laid before us. And to stay in His plan for our lives. The children of Israel followed God. The disciples followed Jesus. Jesus followed the Spirit, and we are to follow the Holy Spirit. It's a process. God has shown us throughout time, from the very beginning, we must follow God. That's why we are called Christians, but we're also We've kind of lost this title, but for many, many years back in the old days, we used to be called followers, right? Some of you are maybe old enough to remember that. We were called followers. Why? Because we followed after Jesus. Oh, time's getting away. Okay. All right, so we must understand this. This kind of pulls it all back together, okay? We must understand this. Where is God? God saw your storm. Before it came. God, the Holy Spirit, is going before you. God knows where you are. God hears your voice. God has prepared you for this storm that you're going through. God never puts you into something that he hasn't prepared you for. Even though you don't think you are prepared, even though you may not feel you're strong in the storm, maybe you are going through it and you say, I'm burdening down, but he knows what you can stand. And he knows what's going to happen. He knows the outcome. God never puts more on us than we can bear. These are the promises of God. God never promised us that we wouldn't have storms in life. He never promised us that we wouldn't have temptations. He never, he never said it was going to be easy. We live in an easy environment. Drive through, pick it up. We're too lazy to get up and walk in the store and get the food. We even have them handed to us out the window. And if the outside window's closed, we won't go inside. We'll just leave. Go somewhere where the window's open. Denying ourselves what we really wanted just because the window wasn't open. I'm sorry, but we, we have. We've become lazy. We want to be spoon-fed the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And many people, they don't even want the spoon. Some people, you can feed them. But God wants us to feed ourselves. We're only supposed to be a baby for a short period of time. We're not supposed to be a baby forever. We're supposed to grow into the Word, grow into God, grow into these things, which makes us strong. God says, I'll go before you. Sometimes you may not understand why you're going through the storms of life. God never said you had to understand. He said, my ways are above your ways. (laughs) We can't understand a God that's all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. We can't understand that. We live in time. He has no time. He is time. He always has and will always be. Someone was asking me and trying to make a little point about evolution the other day. And they kept telling me, well, this begat that, and this begat that, and this begat that. And I said, okay. I got one question for you. And you don't have to, I don't want you to answer. I just want you to take the question and do it. Said, you say, this started this, and this started this, and this started this, right? And I said, yes. I said, I got one question for you. That first one that started, where did it come from? And they just... It takes more faith to believe that than to believe that God created the heavens and the earth, okay? But sometimes we may not understand when we go through these storms in life. But we must rest in the confidence and assurance, our faith and trust in God, that the Holy Spirit is going before us to guide us, watch over us in everything that we do, and speak to us when we need to be spoken to, if we would but just hear what the Spirit of the Lord says. In conclusion, Isaiah 45, 2 says, I will go before you, and I will make the crooked places straight. I will go before you and make those crooked places straight. When you go... How many know that the the closest way between two points is a straight line? Anybody learned that in geometry or something in school? Closest distance between two points is a straight line. Many times to get to some points, we haven't trusted the Lord to straighten out our crooked places, and we do a lot of this on the way to the point. Which what does what does crooked places in your life cause? You need to get tired because you've got to walk further than you do if you walk in a straight line. And the straight line is what the Spirit of God does. And he says, I will break in pieces the gates and the bars of iron. In other words, anything in front of you that keeps you from going straight, you don't have to go around it. He said, I will break it down in front of you. And I will allow you to go through it. You must speak to it. And you must walk in it. And God says, you'll be there. We have to understand, folks, that God doesn't leave us in the storm. Many people ask, where is he? Where? We have to know where he is. He's in us and he's before us. God has a purpose for each and every one of us. We must stay strong in the Lord. 
And I look at our, the people around the world right now that are being persecuted, and we sit in America and we say, well, I'm glad that we don't have to go through that. We're above that. Don't. Don't get on that pedestal, folks. Don't get on that. One day, to do what you're doing right now, it may cost you your life. In America? Well, if you read the Bible, it's probably going to happen sooner or later. Okay? Stay strong in the Lord. Seek His face. And know that you are not alone in your storm. Know that you're not alone in your storm. Know that He's going before you and He knows the outcome that you don't know. And He knows and sees your victory before you do. Because that's the way God works, okay? Romans 28, Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to what? His purpose. You have a purpose. You're called to that purpose. And He says, He no matter what it looks like, will turn out for good to you. No matter how bad it seems, God says it's going to work out to your good because you've been called, you've been given a portion, and you've been given a purpose. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Amy comes. I, uh, we have a little time. I'm going to introduce a song to you. You can cut the feed, it doesn't matter. But I'm going to teach all of you a song. This song got me through a lot. It says, through it all. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word. Would you stand with me? Let's sing it together. We'll start out on the course, okay? All through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There's been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me less consolation that my trials come only to make me strong. Yes, through it all, yes, through it all, I've learned to, I've learned to trust in God, oh, through it all, yes, through it all, I've learned to depend. I have been in lots of places. I've seen lots of faces. 
There's been times that I've felt so alone. But in my lonely hours, yes, those precious lonely hours, Jesus lets me know that I was His own. And I sang, yes, through it all. Yes, through it all. I learned Jesus. I learned to trust in God. Through it all. Oh, through it all. I Right, this verse is for all of you, okay? Well, I thank God for the mountains, and I thank Him for the valleys, and I thank Him for the storms that He's brought me through. For if I had never had a problem, I wouldn't know that He could solve them, and I'd never know what faith in God could be. And then I sing it, yes, through it all, oh, through it all. Well, I've learned to trust in Jesus, I've learned to trust in God, oh, through it all, yes, through it all, yes, I've I've learned to depend upon His Word. His Word said He'll be with you. If you know Him today, He's with you. Every step you take, He's with you. All you have to do is trust in Jesus and trust in your God. But if you don't know Jesus today, these words are empty. So, if you don't know Jesus today, I invite you to come this morning and accept Jesus Christ. For years, as I preached and every Sunday morning given an invitation and standing for people to come to the Lord, sometimes no one would come, sometimes one would come. But I've never stopped asking people to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed to step out. I tell the guys in the jails and all the guys that's in the jail ministry with me will tell you, I don't cut those boys any slack. I don't tell them to bow their heads and close their eyes, raise their hand and say a silent prayer. I tell them to look around because the guys that are raising their hands and standing with you that says they're going to live for Jesus. Those are the guys that you're going to, are going to stand with you when you're back in your cell. Those are the guys that's going to be praying for you when you go to court. Those are the guys that's going to be with you and strengthen you in the times of your storms in life. God says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. I don't ever want to be ashamed of God. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, or if you know Jesus, you just fall short. Would you come? Would you come and meet us right here today? You say, well, am I supposed, everybody's supposed to bow their heads? No. Why? Why would we not 
Why would we want to watch you get saved? Does anybody know? So we can rejoice with you. Because in heaven, one soul is saved. And angels rejoice. Because one gave their heart to the Lord. Okay? So if you're here, would you come? Give me an opportunity. Will our prayer team come? If you have other needs in your life, or if you have, if you need to know the Lord or rededicate your life, come and talk to one of these that are coming here. If you have a physical need in your body, mental need, whatever need it is, God is with you. But if you need somebody to stand with you in prayer, you come up here and one of these prayer pockets. They'll stand with you in prayer. Okay? And may the Lord richly bless you today. And may God enlighten you into His Word. And I pray that for each and every one of you, remember, you're not alone. You're never, ever alone. No matter how bad the darkness is outside of you, the light is inside. And the light is what gets us through and overcomes the darkness that's without us. Okay? Hold on to the light of God and let God richly bless you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. ask you, Lord, to touch hearts and lives. Lord, may we learn and understand that you go before us and that you will always be with us. Be with us, Lord. Go with us as we go. Bring us back to the next appointed time. We'll praise you and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. If you're new to our church, I would like to give you a special invitation to come to the meet and greet this afternoon at 6 o'clock. It will be at Sister Marilyn Stringer's house, but if you need to get the address, please, uh, you can see me or see my wife. We'll get you the address. It's 6 o'clock. We eat together, and we meet together. And I like to eat in part, but we do that too. So come and join us. If you want to connect with the church, it's a good way to do it. God bless.